This is Sandra Hall, 2016 Delaware State Teacher of the Year, and you are listening to the New Teacher Podcast. The New Teacher Podcast. Get inspired. If you're a new teacher interested in hearing about the latest tips and tricks to inspire you in the classroom, you've come to the right place. The New Teacher Podcast features interviews with award-winning classroom teachers, the latest authors, and educational leaders recognized for their proven teaching techniques and strategies. Hear the stories of their success and failure. To listen to past episodes, view show notes, or to contact us, please visit our website at newteacher.org. Now here's your host, Anthony Arno. Hello and welcome to the New Teacher Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Arno, and I'm so glad that you can join us here today. It is my hope that you will become inspired by hearing nationally recognized teachers talk about their success and failure in the classroom. Do you remember the Rubik's Cube as a child? Did you know that the Rubik's Cube was originally invented to demonstrate spatial relationships by Professor Erna Rubik for his architectural design students? For me, as a kid, there was no way I could ever hope to solve that puzzle. Today, more than 350 million Rubik's Cubes have been sold, making it one of the most popular toys of all time. The New Teacher Podcast is very excited to announce our very first sponsor, You Can Do the Rubik's Cube. YouCanDoTheCube.com is the Rubik's Cube educational outreach program that helps teachers empower their students to solve the Rubik's Cube and to use it in their classrooms for math, STEM, and art lessons, to name just a few. What we will be doing is featuring teachers like yourself who are actually using Rubik's Cubes in their classrooms or after-school programs. You Can Do the Rubik's Cube will provide our listeners with a free loaner set of either 12, 24, or 36 cubes, along with an instructional DVD, curriculum guide, solution guide, posters, sign-out sheets, and certificates. For a very limited time, if you use the coupon code PODCAST, YouCanDoTheCube.com will even provide you with a free return shipping label when you borrow up to 36 cubes, so there's absolutely no cost to you. Wait until you hear what math classes and math clubs across the country are doing with sets of 100, 225, and even 400 cubes, which are also available for free from their lending library. You can create mosaics of famous personalities such as Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, Mahatma Gandhi, and even your school mascot. And now, here's my talk with a high school math teacher using the You Can Do the Rubik's Cube program in his classroom. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing all right, Anthony. How are you? Good. Dan, tell us a little bit about yourself. What grade do you teach and where is your school located? Sure. I'm a math teacher who teaches 7th through 12th grade in Weldona, Colorado, a school called Weldon Valley. And we are a K-12 public school. And how have you used You Can Do the Rubik's Cube program in your classroom? Well, I got really interested in the Rubik's Cube in college, and I actually wrote my undergraduate thesis project on the Rubik's Cube and cryptography for codes. Yeah, that was a really fun project, and I got excited about the Rubik's Cube at that point in my life, and ever since then, I've been wanting to help students out with math and science, and I became a math teacher recently, just finished my certification, um, 
last year. And when I brought my uh, classroom together, I put some Rubik's Cubes on the back shelf. And some of the students, when they came in, got really excited about them and said, hey, what's this? How do I do this? I want to learn how to solve this. And I thought to myself, hey, maybe I could find a way to bring more than a couple cubes of my own to the classroom. And I found you can do the Rubik's Cube online, and it kind of went from there. And I ordered a mosaic set for our class, and we completed a couple mosaics together, and they were really excited about the program. What are the benefits that you've seen for your students using You Can Do the Rubik's Cube program? Well, there's a, several benefits, I think. Uh, several of the students that I've worked with with the program, their confidence has just skyrocketed in the area of math and science because of the logic and the problem-solving skills behind the Rubik's Cube itself. They were really excited and engaged, and they went from, I would say, hating math to really appreciating it and having something to do with their hands and solve problems and I've seen a lot of positive change. Dan, how have you seen your students' confidence change as they're able to solve the Rubik's Cube? Well, I definitely had one student just blow me away at how much his confidence level changed. He came to me and said, hey, how do you solve the Rubik's Cube? I really, really want to learn. And I only had a little bit of time to show him the first few steps and solve that first face. And after that, I said, hey, why don't you take this Rubik's Cube home and you can play around with it, see how fast you can solve it. And he took it home. Two days later, he brought it back to me and was able to solve it faster than I was able to just off of YouTube videos. And I I was super impressed because he took it on himself and he just ran with it. And I, I was really, really happy to see the that in uh, him. Tell our listeners, what is the Mosaic program with the Rubik's Cube? Well, there is a lending library that you can do the Rubik's Cube has online where uh, teachers can order either 100, 225, or 400 cubes at a time. And all they're responsible for is the return shipping on the on the sets and I ordered the middle set because I thought, hey, 225, don't want to get a small set, but I don't think we'll have enough time to finish a 400 set. So we uh, finished Abraham Lincoln and Albert Einstein, and the students were really excited. And we will actually feature that mosaic shot of Abraham Lincoln on our show notes page. What's your quickest time in solving the Rubik's Cube? Uh, on a good day, I can solve it in just under a minute and a half, but... Uh, typically between a minute and a half and two minutes. Uh, several of my students, though, who had never solved the Rubik's Cube prior to me showing them, have gotten it to almost a minute, and I'm really impressed by that. Dan, is there any cost to use the program? Uh, like I mentioned before, Anthony, it's just a uh, return shipping for the mosaic sets that you borrow. Um, otherwise, I believe it's um, uh, free for the other smaller sets, um, depending on what a teacher wants to do with the program, they can purchase smaller uh, sets of materials for their classrooms. And if our listeners use the promotional code podcast, you can do the Rubik's Cube. We'll cover the return shipping cost for up to 36 cubes. Dan, thank you so much for talking with me today. It was so great to talk with such an inspiring teacher. 
such as yourself. All right. Bye. You too. Bye. You can see a picture of Dan and his students alongside their Abraham Lincoln mosaic on our show notes page at newteacher.org. We will be giving away a Rubik's Cube gift pack to one random listener who subscribes to the New Teacher podcast and leaves us a review on iTunes over the next four episodes. And now here's my talk with the current Delaware State Teacher of the Year, Sandra Hall. My guest today is the current Delaware State Teacher of the Year. She did not take the traditional route to become a teacher as her background is in business administration. Her husband serves in the U.S. military and they lived for 10 years in Germany. Please welcome to the New Teacher Podcast, Sandra Hall. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. So tell us a personal story about a teacher that might have inspired you as a student and what do you remember the most about them? Well, I'd have to say it was my teacher, uh, business teacher, Carol Allen. She was quite the perfectionist. Um, she was tough. She had high, very high expectations for everyone in her class. But she was also someone who was very encouraging, and she supported me throughout throughout my high school years. Um, she even encouraged me to do a business competition and compete in state and national competitions. Um, and I believe, really, her interest in me showed me how teachers really do care about their students. And what classes did you take with her? I took typing class. It was back in the old days. Right. <laughs> um, accounting classes, finance classes, clerical classes, um, you know, what was offered in the late 70s and early 80s. Sandra, as a college student, your major was business. What originally yes. was your intention when you were a high school student looking for a possible career? Oh, I absolutely wanted to work in the world of business. I, In my head, I, I had a briefcase in my hand and a business suit on. And we're fortunate to live in Delaware, and um, we have a great uh, city, Wilmington, that has a lot of corporations there. So I just really saw myself living in Wilmington, working in Wilmington, and just, you know, being somewhere in the corporate world. And then do you remember the exact moment that you decided you wanted to become a teacher? Well, not really the exact moment, but I do remember um, after my husband retired from the military, um, we were at a crossroads. We were coming back to De to Delaware from overseas, and um, my kids were starting school and, and, and were in school, so I started substitute teaching. I really liked being in the classroom, and I really liked when the administrators um, gave me long-term assignments. And I... Um, you know, they were encouraging to me, and I, I guess I just thought I could do this full-time. So I went back to school after about a year, went to Wilmington University, and got my Master's of Education that way. And have you had any regrets in looking back? Absolutely not. Not one regret. What was it like, the process, when you were being considered for the uh, Teacher of the Year in your school, in your county, and then eventually in your state? Walk us through that process. What was that like for you? Well, initially, it was just um, my principal coming in and saying, please say yes um, to the nomination. And usually or typically in the past, I had turned it down um, just because I, I don't like a lot of limelight. But I, <laughs> I did say yes because she encouraged me. Um, and then um, once there was a voting process in our school. So once the school, um, my peers voted me as teacher of the year for North Smyrna Elementary, um, the the district gives you a portfolio process to go through. 
and it's very similar to the national portfolio. So, um, you know, and that was for the district winner. And I, so I, it was about a 30 page portfolio that I put together over spring break, turned it in um, the day we came back from spring break and May, early May, they made the announcement at the board of education, um, meeting that night and um, I was named district teacher of the year from there the portfolio had to be refined slightly um, the Delaware State teacher of the year committee gives you the next portfolio and a lot of it was I was able to transfer but I um, then had to continue the process with the portfolio turned it in we had a five-minute speech we had to write and be videotaped on and we had interview questions that was videotaped. So that process was a little bit um, more rigorous. And I definitely did not see this coming, um, being announced on October 20th, the, the Delaware State Teacher Year. And how did they announce um, it to you? Did they surprise you with the announcement or did you know it was coming that day? No, they really do surprise you. No one in the state except for three people know what I found out later. Wow. We are all invited, all the district teachers of the year. Delaware is a small state, so there's only 19 of us. All are invited um, to a banquet held on October 20th at Dover Downs, um, and we can invite family and uh, you know staff members can come, and of course district administrators are there. So we had a couple tables um, reserved for Smyrna, the Smyrna School District, and it was a beautiful, wonderfully put together event by Betty Torbert, the coordinator of the entire program here in Delaware, um, and it was absolutely a surprise. As a state teacher of the year, are you taking a sabbatical this year so you could travel throughout the state? I am not. I am okay. still in the classroom. Yes. I. Um, we don't have that luxury here in Delaware. I think years ago that they did do that, um, but they haven't in the past few years. So I'm still with my fourth graders every single day. I did take the, a week off when we went to San Antonio, and I do take time off. Um, certain afternoons or mornings or days um, when I'm needed elsewhere in the state. Most of my stuff is after after school hours. And what message are you spreading to new teachers, to colleagues, and even students that you're meeting as the State Teacher of the Year in Delaware? Well, my Teacher of the Year message is um, that everyone has a story. Um, and then I, you know, we all have stories. Each and everyone has a different story. But I also go in a little bit more detail about data having a story. Um, we are a data-driven data society. The business world uses data. Teachers use data. Our data comes from tests, assessments, and, of course, the big state test at the end of the year. Um, but I am trying to pass on the message to everyone that, you know, data is more than the cold bits of information about a child. Data is alive. It breathes. It eats. And it, it feels. And it comes with a story. So teachers, we teachers have to know their story, understand where they come from. We can't make their data better until we, we, we meet those needs and the, understand where they come from. So my message really is about, you know, the kids. Sandra, when you were in Texas at the National Teacher of the Year Conference, what was it like being with colleagues who were the top voted teachers throughout the country? Wow, it's the most empowering, enriching learning experience I've ever had. I was on a teacher high all week long. Um, the, the teachers there are phenomenal. I, I can't begin to express how lucky I felt to be a part of this program. Um, and um, they're, they're teachers who collaborate with each other. We, 
we got together, we, we shared stories, we shared best practices, we shared our platforms, um, we shared our teacher of the year message. We're, we're learning from each other. And um, it, it was a, a, a great week of collaboration. Sounds like you had a lot of fun. Oh, it was incredible. It was so humbling to be a part of that great group, but it was also very empowering. I met great people. I even met your New Jersey teacher, the Chalky Collins. She's a great choice for your state. So um, I could not have asked for a better week. And then we got a couple extra days out of it because there was a snowstorm here. Right. <laughs> and we were, we were all unable to get back. You became a teacher in your mid-40s, and prior to that time, you were living in Germany for about 10 years. What was life like for you in Germany? Well, I was a military spouse, so it was a little bit different and unique, especially overseas. It's a little bit tougher. The spouses are deployed, or the, the, the military soldiers are deployed. So um, they leave behind these families, and most of them are very young. They, um, the Army started a program called... Um, family readiness. So they started these family readiness groups. I decided to volunteer there. And it's mostly made up of military spouses, but we get the support of like the Army Community Service. So it's a way we get together, collaborate, share ideas, and it's a way to help these young families. We guide, as an older spouse at the time, I guided a lot of um, younger families. I helped them. I taught them. We took care of each other because our, our, um, our spouses were deployed. So I love that time overseas. I met some very, very wonderful people. But I also won I felt that need to give back. I gave back to my army community. So when I came back to the States, I felt like I needed to make a difference here. So now I do it with teaching. And through the family readiness program, would you say that was your first entry into the field of being a teacher type role? Absolutely. Army family readiness. I, I mean, family readiness is just as important in the education world as it is in the military. We need to make our, our school families ready, too. They need to understand what the education policies are. They need to be informed. They need support. Um, so, yeah, my, my, my message continues with this data having story and bringing it back to family readiness um, in the school systems, too. As the current teacher of the year in the state of Delaware, how has your life changed, your teaching strategies changed over the past year? Because I collaborate more and more with um, teachers from all over the nation now, and even with the teachers in the, dis in the districts across the state, I think it's this collaboration that makes us all better teachers. So I, I, wa I want everyone to share best practices, good stories, um, because that's important to teaching. Sandra, what is one thing a new teacher can do today to become a better teacher in their classroom tomorrow? Well, the one thing I have to say is never, ever, ever stop learning. And volunteer for as many workshop, workshops you can get to, um, volunteering for curriculum professional development, look for best practices through your school. We don't, we're, we're as good as our you know, the stuff that we learn. So the day we stop learning as teachers is the day when we become very or less effective in the classroom. And in the state of Delaware, what are some of the teaching challenges? Um, I guess the biggest challenge really is this achievement gap that we have and um, trying to, to, to lessen the gap. And I think that this family readiness idea that we have, um, incorporating it into taking care of the needs of our students. 
first you have to meet their needs physically and emotionally. You can't, learning cannot begin until we take care of those needs. So if they need a snack, some food, a hug, some counseling, some cheerleading, whatever it is they need first, that has to happen before teaching or learning can begin. So taking care of those kinds of needs first before we can work on their lesson plans. In April, you'll be, you'll be going down to uh, meet with President Obama. Are you excited about that moment? Oh, yes. I'm very excited about that. And when you meet him in the Oval Office, do you have any idea of what you might say to him? Besides the fact that I'm Sandra Hall and I'm the Delaware State Teacher of the Year, I haven't really thought about it much. I'm not sure. I think we only get 15 seconds. I would absolutely say I'm honored to be here, and it's a privilege to meet you. Cool beans. Sandra, what is one of the biggest mistakes that you might have made in your teaching career, and what did you learn from that? Hmm. I Really, I when I think about that, the big, biggest mistake I made was taking so long to decide to become a teacher. I wish that I had had the opportunity to me or made available to me a bit earlier. So I believe that, but, you know, with that being said, I think I'm a better teacher now in, in my, you know, 50s than I would have been in my early 20s. Right. So should I have done it earlier? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, most of the teachers who are teachers of the year did not enter the profession right after um, college. You know, they had other Businesses. The alternate route to teaching. Right, yeah. like yourself, right. Mm-hmm. Sandra, I really, really love that I did the alternate route to teaching. Yes, it took me quite a while, but it was definitely worth the wait, too. Now, when you were working in corporate America after college, what type of work were you doing? I was working in um, advertising for most of that. Um, I also worked for the government. When we were overseas the first time, I did take a civil service job, so I ended up working for a general officer. But when I came back to the States, I got I, I, I did an average, two different types of advertising jobs, one in Kentucky and one in Washington, D.C. So I was a media buyer. What is one book that you could recommend to our new teacher listeners that would help them become a better teacher? Well, I have lots of books in my head when I think about that. The one book um, that I usually start the year isn't is a little bit old, um, older. It's a good one, but it's a classic. It's Harry and Rosemary Long's book, The First Days of School. Right. I usually look over that to establish routines and remind myself, okay, what what do I have to do that first week of school to establish routines and, and set the um, learning style of the classroom. But right now, I'm really into a book called um, by Dave Burgess. It's called Teach Like a Pirate. I love right. that book, and uh, you don't have to dress like a pirate, but you do have to teach with passion and uh, enthusiasm. Um, I, you know, pirate is passion, immersion, rapport, African allies, transformation, enthusiasm. So my fourth grade team has taken on this pirate-like role in our in our school, and um, I love it. It's right, I've heard. Book. Right, teach like a pirate. In fact, one of our earlier guests. Sarah Reed actually dresses like a pirate. Yes, we did that um, for Halloween. We did it. So, but we do we do actually you know wear costumes for whatever we're doing in the classroom, mostly the social studies. So it is a great way to teach. That's great. And the Harry Wong book is an older book, but for even yeah. the veteran teachers, I know for myself personally, every September mm-hmm. I'll just flip through the book just to become yeah. motivated. And if you're a new teacher, there are newer books out there. Um, our very first episode, we had Julia Thompson, who is the author of The First mm-hmm. Year Teacher's Survival Guide. That's another great book for the newer generation of teachers. Yes, 
Yeah, there are some great ones. Just to, you know, keep us motivated, remind us what we're supposed to be doing. Sandra, what is one internet resource that has helped you become a better teacher that you could recommend to our listeners? Let's see. Uh, um, I do, you know, as far as a better teacher, I like keeping abreast of what's happening in, the, in public policy. So, of course, I'm going on to the, um, the union, the National Education Association site is always a good one just to keep up with what's happening. But, um, again, because I love collaboration, the Teachers Pay Teachers is a great resource for um, different different lesson plans and different ideas out there. So um, we tend to, I tend to use that off and on throughout the year when I'm going to pull in extra information. And do you have an inspirational teaching quote that might inspire our teachers? The most valuable resource that all teachers have is each other. Without collaboration, our growth is limited to our own perspective. It's written by Robert John Meehan. And, I, you know, I, I love it because um, I have a great team of coworkers and we collaborate every day and everyone brings something di- different. And um, we're, we're fortunate or I'm fortunate enough that we, we meet two to three times a week voluntarily to pull our resources together. It makes for a better lesson for everyone. Sandra, what's the best thing about being a classroom teacher? Ah, the students, of course. They're the ones that inspire me every day to be better than the day before. I love being in the classroom with them. We, we, we start our day and never stop work, working. And when I see the wheels turning and the lights going on, uh, you can't ask for anything better than that. And I'm very deeply, deeply honored to represent Delaware as the State Teacher of the Year. I'm so very humbled by this experience and so very enthusiastic about the learning that I have already had and the learning yet to come. It's, it's, just, it's been fantastic. And what is it like being the State Teacher of the Year in your building? Are your colleagues supportive? Do they come to you with additional questions now? Do they look at you as being the expert teacher now? Is it additional work? Um, I think that they are a very supportive group. I, that really nothing has changed in my school at all. They still treat me exactly the same as I always um, as they always have, um, I'm, I'm kind of, I've kind of taken on the teacher leadership role in the school anyway. I'm always the first one to volunteer for anything. Um, so really everything is pretty much the same as it's been, but they're very nice and very supportive of this year that I'm, you know, embarking on. And Sandra, in your travels throughout the state as teacher of the year, what is one thing you've collected so far that has a lot of meaning, special meaning to you? Friendships. Um, I have, um, I met so many people, even before we, we met in, in San Antonio, the uh, Facebook was created and we met each other online. The friendships and the collaboration I have, that's going on every day. And we even have, uh, we have, I had a, a smaller group of friends too, that we're actually talking or texting each other every single day. So that's, that's a great thing to collect. Friends. Are you ready for the final minute before the final bell? I guess I think I am. Morning person or night owl? Morning. Mac or PC? PC. Favorite book from your childhood? Little House on the Prairie. First paying job? Babysitting. One television show you try to watch every week? The Big Bang Theory. The latest music download or song playing on your iPod? I don't do that. <laughs> I don't download anything. <laughs> One famous person that you would invite for dinner, either living or dead? Hmm. When I think about that, it's, he's not famous. It would be my dad. Just one more dinner with him would be something I'd love to have. Oh, how sweet.
It's a snow day in Delaware. What are you going to do with this unexpected day off from school? I will be hanging out with my daughters. And the next item on your bucket list? Love to go to Hawaii. That's the final bell. How can our (laughs) listeners get in touch with you? Well, you can always reach me through my school email. It's Sandra.Hall at Smyrna, S-M-Y-R-N-A, dot K-1-2 dot B-E dot U-S. Okay, well, thank you. Well, thank you so much. All right, Sandra, you you have a good night. Thank you, ma'am. You too. Goodbye. Mm, Bye-bye. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you again to Sandra, and you can do the Rubik's Cube. We will post our show notes at newteacher.org. Please remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review on iTunes to win the Rubik's Gift Pack that we're giving away. Next week, we have Kansas Teacher of the Year, Jeff Baxter. He was born in the back of an ambulance, separated from his mother at birth for what was considered standard practice of the day and raised by his grandmother during the first few years of his life. But that's not the most remarkable thing about him. Jeff received the honor of Kansas State Teacher of the Year in his 60s only after postponing his retirement due to a personal struggle that was taking over his life. He will share a personal story outside his teaching career that was also featured on CNN. No matter what personal struggles you're going through, either in the classroom or at home, I want you to hear Jeff tell you his story. I know you will become inspired when you hear Jeff talk about his passion for the classroom. Well, that's our ninth show, and thank you for listening. This is the New Teacher Podcast, and I'm your host, Anthony Arno. Be well. (laughs) 